Welcome and thank you for joining the Society for Clinical Research Sites for SCRS Talks. I'm Jimmy Bechtel, the Vice President of Site Engagement with the Society. SCRS Talks allows our partners and those that we work closely with to take a few minutes to address issues of industry concern, share exciting achievements, and learn more about our community and events. Today, we have Peter Fredette, the Director, Clinical Partnerships Liaison with EQRX and the Chair of the SCRS Oncology Program, and Dan Otap, Principal and Alliance and Partnerships Lead with Genentech. They will be sharing some highlights with us surrounding the upcoming Global Oncology Site Solutions Summit taking place March 31st in Austin, Texas, as well as some recent developments within the oncology program. Welcome to the both of you. Thank you both for being here. Um, I'd love to get an introduction from the two of you, and we'll start with you, Peter. Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, my name is Peter Fredette. As you said, I'm this year's SCRS Oncology Site Solutions Summit Board Chair, um, and I have been involved with SCRS Oncology since the beginning and with SCRS and the Society for uh, almost 10 years. Thanks, Peter. And Dan, we'd love to hear about you. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks again for having me on this with this group. I've loved really working with you guys. Uh, my name is Dan Otap. I work at Genentech within their clinical operations group, uh, specifically in regard to alliance and partnerships. Uh, and I'm also primarily focused in the early phase oncology space, uh, where the business unit that I'm um, based out of is known as GRED, which is Genentech's research and early development team. I've also been part of SCRS for about probably going on two plus years and have been sitting on the oncology board uh, for the past two years as well. Great, thanks, Dan. And uh, thank you both again for being here with us. So I wanna start our conversation today talking a little bit about some recent, uh, as I mentioned, updates and some happenings really with the SCRS Oncology Program. And one of those more major updates recently was the recent release of a resource document for sites that are interested in participating in phase one trials. So Peter, could you share with us a little bit of the background of this document and why it might've been created? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so most large cancer centers have a phase one clinical trials program, right? But some still don't. Um, also, it's been part of the SCRS Oncology's mission from the very beginning to help community-based oncology practices with resources to uh, improve and expand clinical trial capability. Uh, we've heard from sites and investigators in multiple countries uh, that they would like to get into phase one research more or at all, but uh, we're not confident that they could do it. It really can be uh, an anxiety provoking endeavor uh, since there's, there's really a lot to consider, um, especially when research sites don't feel they have a handle on what industry sponsors may be looking for or even just where to start. So as a complement to more detailed, lengthy, potentially expensive resources available, we set out to publish this sort of free Cliff Notes version of some of the main points to consider and why. 
Thanks, Peter. It, it really is a uh, valuable resource for a lot of sites who, as you mentioned, are are looking to get into it. It really was driven, uh, as you eloquently put, by site demand for something to help them and guide them and give them a starting place for what it means to be in, in phase one research. So, Dan, maybe you could share with us a little bit about what this guy covers and how sites might best be able to utilize this resource. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dovetailing off what Peter said, I mean, the goal of the document was to serve as kind of a high level guide, right? You predominantly see in that resource four categories of general consideration. And what's unique to what the SCRS Oncology Working Group did here was we kind of coupled both a sponsor perspective as well as site perspective. Because there's a lot of us, myself included, who now I sit on the sponsor side, but prior to that, I was involved in clinical trials at various cancer centers across the US, including solid tumor phase ones and, and hematology phase one units for, for cancer. So the four categories that we broke this down strategically in would be logistics and infrastructure uh, and give a high level overview of kind of what kind of is expected and, and also needed in that space to do phase one research correctly and safely. Uh, the personnel that we're, that we're considering is kind of a baseline expectation or assumption that are going to be there or hired on as staff in order to be truly um, staffed to conduct these types of studies. Uh, and then feasibility and kind of some nuances around um, the capital expenses as well as the type of facilities and capabilities that these centers are going to need to be a considering uh, in order to actually be participating in these studies, as well as overall startup, right? So um, a lot of sites probably, you know, we all talk about startup uh, in all phases of clinical trials, but when it comes to early phase, uh, to me, a day is equivalent to a month, if not six months. Um, and what I mean by that is we need to have sites that are capable of activating, to be honest, even less than 30 days, I think the 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 goal or gold standard is less than 60 days, and then some people are hanging their hats on 90. But at the end of the day, what sponsors are really looking for is uh, sites that can be committed to the molecule, committed to the study, and really rapidly activate in a in an efficient yet compliant and safe manner. I think in a lot of ways it serves the document itself serves as a baseline springboard resource to have more in-depth discussions with site leadership as well as clinical trial administrative staff so that they understand what is expected and, and what is needed. Thanks, Dan. As, as our listeners can probably understand, there's a lot of value that comes out of this document and a lot of different aspects it covers. And I like the point you brought up around how it really was a multi-stakeholder development process. We involved sites, we involved sponsors, CROs, and even some professional service providers, some of our technology company partners in this development to really be holistic and rounded um, in, in that approach. Uh, Peter, what advice do you have for sites um, after talking about this guide a little bit that are considering taking on phase one clinical trials? Maybe some some key areas that you'd like uh, them to to really understand. I think first um, and foremost, read our paper. Uh, we intentionally designed it as a guide, as we said, to start thinking about this seriously. But as we've alluded to, it's not meant to be a fully comprehensive guide to everything. 
there are some good books to consider as well. Phase one clinical trials, a practical guide came out, I think, 2015. Uh, the authors are mostly from Canada, England, and Belgium. So a nice uh, non-US heavy perspective, if you will. There's, uh, there's also a really great but lengthy book um, by doctors Timothy Yap, David Hong, and Jordi Rodan, who are all supreme leaders in this field. Um, the book is titled Phase One Oncology Drug Development, and I'm pretty sure it was published in 2020, so very contemporary. All these authors are, like I said, well-known and leaders in the field. But with, with that said, like most similar endeavors, you'll want to talk directly to peers that are already doing these trials or people that have even built a phase one clinical trials program from the ground up. Um, we feel networking, certainly in the society, we encourage and feel networking is just as important as reading up on any given subject. Um, so definitely uh, encourage networking. Within the SCRS oncology community, there are a number of subject matter experts here. So I'd also say join our community and uh, let us help you along that journey. There's no reason to go it alone. And even if it's just to help you decide whether or not you'd like to make the journey, um, there are people here that can help. Thanks, Peter. I think those are some really uh, valuable potential resources for the sites. But speaking to community and oncology and some of the work that we're doing as a, as a collective group here, we're very excited to be hosting the annual Global Oncology Summit down in Austin in just a few weeks, uh, where we'll be discussing trends, opportunities, and challenges in oncology clinical research. But Dan, what are you most excited about specifically for this year's summit? Yeah, I mean, this year to me, and actually all the past years, there's there's one thing that I always look forward to that I think is the most value and, and impactful. Uh, in addition to, to Peter's point, really the opportunity to network with like-minded individuals across the continuum of drug development and oncology, right? Sponsors, vendors, CROs, sites. The, the primary thing that I'm excited to see is the site landscape data uh, that you both will, will be presenting on. I have the, the pleasure of being on your, your planning committee this year, so I'm super excited about that. And, and one thing that I'd like to say is if we do have listeners from sites who have not participated in that survey, um, I really would, would encourage you to fill that out, take the time to, to fill it out. It's a micro survey if, if memory serves. Uh, and it really it will enable us to have larger generalizable type feedback that really can kind of give us an overview, all of us inclusive of SCRS, an overview of where things stand, where our pain points are, what are the hot topics, what are the highest priorities and what are sites seeing, et cetera. The other thing to me this year uh, goes hand in glove with the way that we're seeing phase one, especially in oncology, drug development going. We're now seeing this, this kind of nuance of seamless drug development where gone are the days, in my opinion, and it's just mine, gone are the days where you see very cut and dry phase one, then phase two, then phase three, and then maybe even phase four other post-market. 
now you're seeing phase one trials and this, you know, Peter, you've been doing this a long time as well. We see phase one trials that really, in, in my opinion, have morphed into uh, phase one slash phase two and heck even phase one all the way to phase three and, and, and used for registration purposes, which we've seen on most recent accelerated approvals. So the concept of seamless drug development um, also brings in the fact that you need more patient voice and patient advocacy group involvement in not only the sponsors developing these studies and writing these protocols, uh, but also continuing all the way through with the mind at the end of this game, there's going to be some type of potential approval and how are we going to actually put this into practice in the real world, right? In the real kind of outpatient facilities and clinics that are treating the vast majority of our patients, at least in the US. So the presence of patient advocacy groups and also plenary sessions dedicated to um, heightening the voice and the value and the impact that these groups, as well as their patients, uh, bring to the table of clinical trials, to me has been put front and center at this conference, and I'm exceedingly excited about it. Um, it's high time it's been there. And I think that a lot of sponsors, uh, including Genentech, have really started to take heed to the voice that's being being raised to say, we need to be more inclusive, but then also by being inclusive, you need to be inclusive of the voices of those patients, participants, their caregivers, et cetera. So permitting and putting a priority on that voice being present at this upcoming conference, I think is really something that that excites me and, and that is really hopefully going to help set the tenor for the whole conference. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate your highlighting of those patient-focused sessions. It truly is what we're all here to do and is even core to the mission of the SCRS Oncology program around uh, finding cures together for patients. So thank you for highlighting those two things. And, and Peter, uh, speaking of that summit, this is your first year of, uh, of a couple as our Oncology Summit Chair specifically, but how do you think that this summit's going to be different from maybe previous summits or maybe other even summits and conferences that exist in the industry? Well, as you know, uh, I've worked very closely with all the prior summit chairpersons. So I'd say that summit attendees can certainly expect a lot of the same focus on site sustainability. Um, what we do it's hard, right? So community rallying is so important. And back to what Dan was just saying, doing it within uh, the SCRS community at conferences like this uh, is impactful, helpful, um, and very relevant to the contemporary topics that we're all um, very interested in. As always, we'll prevent we'll present some data from the current site landscape survey that was just mentioned um, as a, a baseline, if you will, for many of the discussions. We have some excellent new plenaries planned this year to bring to the stage some out of the box uh, patient advocacy organizations, discuss building trust and opportunity for diverse community access. We'll hear about how sites are successfully leveraging technology in the cancer clinical trial space and how 
educating and staffing the next generation of cancer clinical trial experts still needs to be a big priority. This isn't something that can be fixed quickly or with technology or right getting new people interested in and qualified in this field um, is hard. It's a long game, uh, but it, it, as I said, needs to be a big priority. So that's something that we'll be talking a significant amount about. Lastly, here I'll mention that we've intentionally distilled the number of breakouts um, to try and avoid the frustration of people wanting to attend everything, <laughs> overlapping sessions. Uh, I know we, we've all felt that at conferences before. Um, and so hopefully that distillation will help folks get a little bit more out of the experience and in the individual breakout sessions. Thanks, Peter. Lots of really great ideas around what's what sets this summit apart and what makes it uh, different and valuable for those that are uh, looking to potentially come as well as those that will be attending, those that are already planning to. But Dan, uh, speaking to some of those points that I know you'll you'll echo from Peter, what keeps you coming back to the SCRS Oncology Summit? Hands down, uh, what keeps me coming back and what keeps me involved in all the work that that I'm involved with in, in your great organization is simply the direct connection with sites and their voice. Uh, it's, it may sound very kumbaya or, you know, all sitting around a fire. In fact, maybe we should do that at the next summit, but especially since it's in Texas and Austin. But for <laughs> me, um, it really is just being able to be there and listen to the individuals that truly are executing the studies that we as sponsors put out and, and are, we're trying to find answers to scientific questions, but we we have to keep in mind that at the end of the day, there are also patients and as well as site staff truly doing all the work and participating and being the brave participants, et cetera, right? So what keeps me coming back is knowing that that's going to allow me a time and a space to listen, to learn. Uh, I think the day I stop listening and learning is the day I need to retire. And, and I think this conference, especially in, in the realm of oncology, uh, to me, is, is the best conference I've been to that promotes the site voice and, and enables discussions that sometimes are hard to have, but are necessary to have in order to move things forward, right? So absolutely, I mean, hands down uh, for me is knowing that when I go there, I'm going there and for one, I'm meeting friends, basically an extended family, in my opinion. I think all of us that are really passionate about this work in, in clinical trials become, you know, really connected to one another and also uh, being able to have the opportunity of listening and, and learning things that I may not have even thought of. I mean, I've been in the game on the site side for years uh, and now I'm on the sponsor side, but I still want to know and need to know, uh, it's imperative that I need to know in my space, uh, what's happening and, and what things are, are taking place that are hindering a site's ability to execute on the studies. It is a unique industry in which every single group is dependent on each other. And we're all there collectively for the betterment and, and hope of uh, health and, and medical breakthroughs for future patients, inclusive of those, again, brave patients that enroll on our studies. 
um, that's what keeps me coming back. That and, and really the family feel that I have with this group is, is impressive. Uh, it's very welcoming. If, if those of you on the, the call have never attended, um, it really is. I love the setting. It's an intimate setting. Uh, it's totally oncology, all oncology, all day, every day. And really some brilliant conversations, brilliant networking, and brilliant connections have come out of that. So I'll keep coming back until they close the door on me. Well, thanks, Dan. And thanks, Peter, for that that great explanation there. I think um, that's a really positive message to end things on uh, as we conclude our conversation here. So I want to thank both of you, of course, for, again, your participation, sharing your insights and uh, expressing the value of both the SCRS Oncology Program, as well as the upcoming SCRS Global Oncology Summit. So, uh, Peter, Dan, thank you both for being here. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Yes, thanks so much. In order to advocate for the needs of sites globally, I want to emphasize a point that Peter and Dan made earlier about how imperative it is that sites share their insights into the challenges that they're facing currently. So if your site participates in oncology trials, we ask that you share your input in that annual site landscape survey. That landscape presentation is a, is a cornerstone of SCRS summits, and we share that initial data with our attendees at each one of those summits, and we'll be doing so again at the 2023 Global Oncology Summit. Additionally, make sure that you register for upcoming summits being held throughout the year by visiting our summit page. Upcoming summits include, of course, the Oncology Summit taking place March 31st and April 1st down in Austin, Texas, as well as the SCRS West Clinical Innovation and Technology Summit taking place in Scottsdale, Arizona, June 7th and 8th. While you're on our website, be sure to also check out other SCRS publications designed for our community including some of the ones that Dan and Peter mentioned today on the call in the publication section of our website, myscrs.org. SCRS appreciates everyone's participation and listening to today's program and look forward to having you join us for more great content coming out soon. Thanks for listening.